Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest technology, news, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And in this episode, we're doing a deep dive on Apple's new iPhone 12 event. I think up front, we just want to cover what you guys want to know. So we saw four iPhone devices today. We had iPhone 12 mini, iPhone 12, iPhone 12 Pro, and iPhone Pro iPhone 12 Pro Max. And we also had a fifth device, the HomePod mini, which we'll is, cover later. Is this what they really want to know? Or I think they want to know what they didn't see, which was most importantly, we did not see the Apple AirTags. We did not see a new refresh of the Apple TV. We didn't see any silicone Max and the big ones that, you know, we didn't see some headphones. We didn't see any new AirPod Studios coming out. Right. Those have been rumored for a while. I think we're likely to see those Next month, we'll have yep. three months of back-to-back-to-back Apple Keynotes events. Yeah. I love it. We're going Apple picking in September, October, and in November. And yeah, they're, they're going to keep rolling out new products kind of up until that event almost because of the way they've kind of released these new iPhones. So let's just jump into the iPhones because even though Apple began with the HomePod mini uh, in their live stream event, we know you only really care about the iPhones. So yeah, they launched four new iPhones at this event, right? They're all iPhone 12s. That's correct. But they have different little monikers and uh, modifiers on their names to signify what price range and just how much you're paying for your phone. Right, so let's dive into sort of the more budget-friendly tier. We have iPhone 12 mini and iPhone 12. These are gonna be uh, very popular options for consumers. iPhone 12 mini starting at 699 and iPhone 12 starting at 799. And I think what's great about these devices is they actually share identical specifications besides their size. So the mini is, as you'd expect, a little smaller, bit smaller, obviously, and uh, battery and display. So things that go along with the size differences. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, these are looking like really well-crafted, well-built iPhone devices. They're using aluminum frames on the side. Apple went with the flat design again this year, bringing back that retro look. Yeah, from the kind iPhone. of the iPhone 5, right? Yeah, exactly. What do you think of that? Is that is it like modern hip again? I like it as someone who has a broken, cracked glass back on their iPhone, what is it? I have the 10s Max. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I like not being able to break the back of my phone, right? We already worry enough about breaking the screen. So yeah, why put glass on the back? I know it looks nice, but- No, this is a glass back. But it's the aluminum back, isn't it? No, no, oh. it's aluminum side rails. Okay. Really, yeah, the real difference but here is... But the difference is, though, that the glass doesn't curve around the edge. Because yeah, that's actually how you flat. crack it more, right? Is that curved edge with the glass, the ability to crack. They did say they put new glass in there from Corning. Well, that's uh, only on the front. Yeah. So, so overall, it's getting, a, it's getting more tough to break slowly. Eventually, we won't be able to break it. Uh, it is, I know, water-resistant up to six meters for 30 minutes, which is I thought was pretty impressive. you know. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about the iPhone 12, iPhone 12 mini. Share one big feature that was introduced to, to these phones. Was honestly, if you're reading any articles online, you're going to already have seen, and that's 5G. Right, 5G is here across all the iPhone models. And what I love... Yeah, this, what... this was, I think you're going to say, is they didn't just pick and choose which they gave what. Exactly. Like Samsung or other device makers. It was just 5G for all. Yeah, so for context, the different spectrums of 5G is we have the millimeter wave 5G, which is what Verizon is using. Uh, and this is incredible download speeds. And then T-Mobile is using low band or sub six gigahertz 5G. 
typically other manufacturers are making a sub six gigahertz phone. So take Samsung, for example, Galaxy S20 was a sub six gigahertz phone. And then the S20 plus and the S20 ultra were the only two models that got millimeter wave support. It is a little bit more expensive to integrate that into the phones. Apple took a different approach here and they integrated both the sub six gigahertz and millimeter wave 5G across all of their iPhones. So you're getting the best 5G experience regardless of which iPhone you choose. This is so Apple, you know, right? Like they didn't go, oh, you have to now decide this different, like Android phones are always about you choose. So like if you don't need millimeter wave, maybe you get this one, save a little money. But Apple's just like, look, we know you want 5G and we know you don't really want the slower version. You want the faster version eventually. So we're gonna give you that. We're gonna put it in all the phones. We're not gonna mess around with you know giving you a slightly cheaper one that you know doesn't give you the fastest speeds because we want to give you the best experience with our phones. As a result, you know they couldn't you know probably hit the low, lower prices. They could have probably got a little cheaper if they did do those you know what Samsung's done basically. But it's going to give great experiences for people. Yeah, and I think what's really nice is some carriers like OnePlus they did a Verizon exclusive model that was actually a hundred dollars more. And we even see this with Pixel 4a 5G. There's a millimeter wave variant that's $100 more on Verizon. iPhone pricing is the same, or I guess we'll say almost the same. We'll get to that in a bit yeah. across the board. I think the other big difference here was actually in the display, right? So previously, iPhone 11 was using a standard LCD display. Apple called it their liquid retina display with that the LCD with the curved corners. Now they upgraded. I don't know, Is it? it's an upgrade for the iPhone 12, but it's not really a new display. It's more they just standardized their whole lineup so that they're all using these OLED screens. And I think they're almost, ident they're identical, right? Same. I think they are, so they're all- I mean, all... it's slightly denser pixel per inch based on the screen size, right? They're all the same resolution, but just, yeah. The bigger screens, obviously, slightly less pixel density. But still, you know, retina screen, which basically means I think it's above 400 pixels uh, per inch. Right, so it's it's the Pro Display XDR uh, yep. is what they're branding this as. Excuse me, the Super Retina XDR yeah, display. There's Retina in there. And its resolution will actually change based on what size you get. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's 400 and what is that? 460 uh, PPI for the iPhone 12. The mini's obviously higher, 476. And the one that's the lowest is the Max, which is 458, but that's because they're all the same resolution screens. They're actually, they're all different. They're all different? Oh. Yeah. So the iPhone 12 and the 12 Pro are the same size display at 6.1 okay, inches. That, I take that back then. And uh, Apple is actually adjusting the resolution. So they're keeping the, okay, so they're keeping the pixels densely, density about the same, about That's in the correct, 460 yeah. to 470 range. And then, yeah, changing the, the resolution. So to keep that. Kind of the opposite of what I was saying. Sorry about that if I took you on a tangent no one worries. way. We, we appreciate the discussion. A little bit of a learning experience. Now, okay, we talked about resolution. Let's get to the thing that everyone really cares about, cameras. Yeah. Now, these... with the 12 and the 12 mini, they're still sticking with that two camera setup, you know, not going the way of S Samsung and just chucking all cameras at everyone, making two good cameras and not really focusing on megapixels. Yeah, so what did so, they go for? I mean, a still... lot of people, they're doing... A lot of manufacturers are doing like ultra wide, wide yeah. telephoto. What did Apple choose to go with? Apple went with, you know, the originally when they first introduced two cameras, it was the wide telephoto. Now, since the iPhone 11, they've gone back to the ultra wide 
and then the wide. I think this is a great move. Something I noticed actually on the iPhone XS is the wide angle camera has a much wider aperture and that lets in more light and often yields a sharper result. So in low light scenarios, my iPhone would actually use the wide angle lens and then just crop in on the image to get that two times result. So I think you're getting, you can get both the wide angle and the two times crop. And then with the ultra wide, that's an entirely new perspective. So I really think uh, this is the best camera combination if you're going with kind of a more budget option with just two lenses. Yeah, I'm still not sold on the ultra wide because it does use fixed focus. It's still not an adjustable focus, which it's basically a GoPro camera on your phone. I'm okay with that though. I think I think the ultra wide perspective is so unique. And what's also unique is Apple's image processing, right? Yeah. So they have some of the best in the business and they're bringing deep fusion and night mode to all of the cameras. And I think that's gonna add a really great experience for users. Now, something we definitely differ on opinion is the number of megapixels in here. Yeah, what's your take? So I think like Apple still takes very good quality images, but I kind of question their unwillingness to try to push to a slightly higher megapixel sensor, even if it's only 16 megapixels, right? Just give us a little more because in, you know, in today's world, you can do so much more with the ability to have like slightly more information. Like for example, if you were mentioning having the ultra wide and then cropping in, they could do that with a 16 and still have 12 megapixels left if they, you know, had that slightly higher, higher resolution sensor. Obviously Google's also doing the same route of using only a 12 megapixel sensor on their phones. So, you know, two of the best phones with cameras out there are still not that high resolution and getting great photos. So that kind of shoots my argument all to hell. So I don't know what I'm even talking about here. But yes, obviously the, your counter argument that you're gonna make is low light capability. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the point here. I mean, the reason you go with 12 megapixels is each pixel can be larger and let in more light. And Apple is even doing that with their wide new wide angle camera. So they actually increased the aperture down to a 1.6 aperture, which is letting in more light and combined with night mode on all the lenses and deep fusion, you're getting much more detail and clarity in the darker parts of your image. And I'd almost argue like going with that HDR effect, especially now with smart HDR three for the photos, you're gonna be getting uh, just so much more vibrant, crisp, clear images. And oftentimes people don't even crop in on their phones, on their smartphone. Uh, so I really think 12 megapixels is more than fine. I think both Apple and Google are proving that 12 megapixels with great image processing is really the optimal sweet spot for smartphones right now. So I think I'm totally fine with it. I get where you're coming from, but still if you throw a 64 megapixel sensor on there, like what Samsung's doing, all of a sudden your image sizes are huge. Well, you notice I'd never set 64 megapixels. I'm you're saying just like 16, 24 even, because I have a good, a good example of this is I have the new A7S III camera full frame 12.1 megapixel sensors, I think. And then I have the A7 III, which is a 24.3 maybe or something like that megapixel sensor. Now, granted A7S III, incredible for video, where you're really only using a 12 megapixel sensor when you're shooting 4K. However, if I'm ever taking photos, I'm gonna always grab the A7 III because yeah, the low light capability isn't quite as great. So maybe if I was out taking photos of stars and stuff, I might try the A7S III but that extra information, literally double the amount of pixels, it's just, it's it's hard to argue with. 
I think that's just a different market. That's smartphone cameras versus uh, dedicated mirrorless cameras. Possibly, yeah. Because, I mean, think about it. You're adding more pixels for this A14 Bionic processor to yes. be processing. And with this new processor, which is insanely fast, Apple is able to introduce HDR video recording with Dolby Vision up to 4K 30 frames per second. And you're getting extended dynamic range for video up to 4K 60 frames per yeah. second. So I'd argue again, like just that extra image processing at the lower megapixel is totally worth it for both photos and That's videos. That's definitely true. With having less information coming in, you can potentially do more stuff with that lower information because you don't have to process so much data. You know, I I actually honestly think though, the bigger thing rather than the HDR recording is actually what they've done with photos because they introduced what looks like a new, we'll really have to wait till we see the files, but it looks like actually a new image format almost. Well, that's going to be with the pros, so let's yeah. let's hold that off for okay, a little bit. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, I feel like we've, I just want to get to the pros. Dude, the pros like, are so good. Let's, let's finish off these 12s and okay. 12 minis. Uh, last thing, time-lapse night mode, super exciting, again yeah. with that. Um, well, no, not exciting, sorry. Time lapses with phones. Who wants to leave their phone just sitting out someplace? Okay, that is a great point. All right, point. so finally, there's a one point for me. I finally make a good point this episode. That's good. Uh, one thing I want to say across all these devices, they are all using the Apple A14 Bionic chip, which is the same one that they introduced on the iPad Air. And this continues their trend recently of just, you know, not relegating the cheaper phones to older chips and just giving everyone the same fast experience no matter how much they're paying for their phone. Yeah, so I think... Honestly, because so much is similar uh, with the rest of the devices, yeah. I think we can go ahead and move on to the pros because really the only difference is like you're paying for size and cameras. Well, let's talk about one more similar thing then. Sure. Was actually not the phone itself, but some accessories. Yeah, okay. They launched. And these are the new MagSafe. Yeah, do you remember that name? MagSafe Ooh, accessories. They rebranded their old chargers. I, have your, uh, I don't think you can pick that up on the mic, but he just unplugged his... MagSafe connector MacBook on his Pro laptop. Pro 2015, everybody. So yeah, they introduced by putting a magnetic, is it a coil almost it looks like? Yeah, kind of so. in the middle of the phone. Exactly. It's basically, it goes around the Qi wireless charging unit. Yep. And it's just this magnet uh, configuration that's going to allow for some accessories. So what can users do with this new MagSafe? Honestly, the one that is probably going to get the least amount of attention. But for me, it was kind of like, I know someone at Apple was so fed up with people sticking, you know, those, you can put cards and money and stuff in it and people stick them right on the back of their phone. Yeah. And I know there was some engineer or someone at Apple that was so fed up with seeing the back of their beautiful iPhones out there just getting stuck to with 3M strips and stuff that do leave residue after you keep them on forever. And they're like, how can we fix this in some way? You know what it was? It was their recycling department. There was that some guy too, in there who was just also. like, Gosh darn it, why do all of these phones have so much adhesive residue yeah. on them? This is a problem we need to fix. So yeah, what are the new accessories beyond just that little uh, sleeve for cards and money to stick on the back? Yeah, so as Gabe mentioned, you're getting kind of a nice card holder that just kind of magnetically snaps onto the back of your phone. Apple introduced their new lineup of cases, which are a little expensive at $50 each. They're offering both their silicon, leather, and clear cases. And what these do is they actually will kind of magnetically attach to the back of your phone. And they also work with Apple's calling a new MagSafe charger. So MagSafe is coming back in its truest form, MagSafe for iPhone. And basically replacing the extinct and never existent AirPower. That's correct. Uh, what's 
really great about this is, you know when you go to set your phone down on a wireless charger and the pad is kind of big, you kind of miss the spot, you gotta adjust it and you're like, well at this point I might as well have just plugged in a fast charger or something. With the MagSafe charger, you get your phone close to it and the charger will probably like lift up and literally connect to it. Um, and so you're getting that perfect connection every time. And Apple with their new phones uh, can now support up to 15 watt fast wireless charging, which is super exciting. And the MagSafe charger coming in at only $40, which I think is reasonable. And you know what? This actually just reminded me, speaking of chargers, uh, Gabe, what is no longer included in the box of all iPhone yeah, models? Yeah, we knew this was coming as they weren't including them in the iPads. Is that what it is? It was the Apple Watches. Apple Watches, yeah, sorry. That no longer ship with charger uh, adapters. They have the cables in there. But now the iPhones also won't have a charge, you know, wall adapter. And instead will just ship with a USB-C to lightning cable, which... Now, they're getting chewed apart a bunch online for people saying this is purely a move just to increase profits. And I will agree, yes, there's probably some part of this that is profit uh, motivated. However, as they made a good point in the keynote, like it's beyond just not shipping that adapter. You know, yes, they, there's no, they no longer have to make all those adapters, but they also can make the box smaller, which means they can fit more iPhones onto each pallet that they ship, which means, you know, less less you know waste and less I think it was something space. crazy like 70 percent more iphones will fit yeah on you, one shipping and you think container. and that's not you know that's that's a big number but also like think of how many iphones they ship too yeah with the they ship billions of iphones and some small changes even just not including an adapter you know yeah or headphones actually i want to add that in they also yeah not including headphones and i will add if you're looking at, uh for an adapter usb wall charger and you don't want to pay stupid apple prices for one you can easily find some on Amazon. I personally like the brand Aki. You can get one that actually has a USB-A type charger, which is the old school USB one, as well as a USB-C one in the same wall plug. And I think it's like only like 20 bucks. Yeah, so this is, I think, a big win. Honestly, Apple's saving the environment because they're trying well, to go okay, carbon. Okay, don't, don't say saving the environment. They're not I, saving the environment. Let me rephrase Reducing that. Reducing their environmental impact. That's a much yes. better way of phrasing that. They're trying to be carbon neutral by 2030, which I respect, coming it's up impressive. in uh, just 10 years here. Um, but yeah, so this is a good move from their sustainability standpoint. Um, but also for the consumer, like the chargers Apple included weren't great. And so you're better off picking you, up. I have 20 of them. Yeah, they're, you just like, they sit around and you're better off buying these third-party ones. Gabe mentioned Aki. I'm a big fan of Anchor personally. Anchor's pretty good. Um, Probably honestly the same exact components, just but just slapped a different yeah, name. Different plastic enclosure. Uh, so yeah, I'm okay with it. The headphones is a little bit of a letdown to some degree, but you know, AirPod sales are going to go through the roof, whatever. And I think they're on sale on Prime Day. So yeah. all right, let's go on to the pros now. Yeah, the pros. Not the pros and cons, but the <laughs> iPhone 12 Pro and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Now, beyond just screen size differences, there are actually differences between these two phones, and they're both very different from the 12 and 12 mini. So what's first off, what's the similarities between the two Pro models, and how are they different from the 12 models? Yeah, so I think it's almost kind of hard to talk about this. So let's start with the 12 Pro. Specifically. Okay. All right. So 12 Pro has the same wide angle and the same ultra wide angle cameras as well. No, the, the difference between the 12 is and the both pros is they have three cameras and a lidar. Scanner, oh, you were basically. just thinking the the Pro and the Pro Max. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Together. Then in that case, yeah, the difference is the telephoto camera and the wide angle. So uh, actually, kind of surprising. 
with the iPhone 12, 12 mini and 12 pro, Apple introduced their new F 1.6 aperture for their wide angle camera lens. However, with the 12 pro max, they had additional space to work with. And so they rethought two key pieces of the camera. And this is going to be the stabilization and the sensor itself. The 12 Pro Max has an entirely new sensor that's actually larger than what you find on the other models. And with this larger sensor, Apple is able to get, uh, again, much better light for better low light performance. And because they had extra space, Apple introduced a new kind of stabilization that they're calling sensor shift optical image stabilization. So instead of stabilizing the lens of the camera on iPhone, Apple is stabilizing the actual sensor itself. And this can allow for significantly more micro adjustments, 5,000 micro adjustments per second, which allows for up to two second exposures when using the iPhone handheld. I mean, this is huge. And you're also getting improved video as well. I mean, is it is it really huge though? It, I, it is bigger I, to some capacity. I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like they definitely were hyping this up a little bit uh, just to try to push people to go with the Pro Max and spend that extra money. You know, I'm glad at least they're focusing the new camera features on the wide one, which is the one that people use the most often, rather than like Samsung goes and just like, oh, we'll delve all these new features into the telephoto. Well, actually, the- it's it's funny you mentioned that the telephoto was the second camera that had improvements. It's 52 millimeters on the 12 Pro, 65 millimeters Jeez. on the 12 Pro Max. And this allows you to, instead of getting a two times optical zoom, you can now get a four times optical zoom. Uh, The difference though is also in the aperture. The Pro Max has an F 2.2, whereas the Pro has an F 2.0. So negligible. You think, I'd almost go with the slightly wider one, to be honest. Why? Uh, Let in a little bit more light. But but 0.2 is not even a full stop. I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. okay. Any right. any extra light you can get is fine. I know. They just they went through here and just tried to pack it with as many slight differences as possible, which I know um you know, I'm going to go with the Pro Max definitely, but it's it it seems like they didn't really have like oh you wanted that one thing that didn't have was the faster refresh rate display. Like you would expect oh the Pro one to have that or maybe only the Pro Max and they didn't really have that. So it seems like they were like Let's go back to the drawing board and try to draw up a couple features that we can put into the Pro Max just to distinguish it a little bit from the other models. But both the Pro models do have that LiDAR sensor on there, which is going to help with autofocus and really uh, also change the way AR works. Yeah, I think autofocus is honestly huge because as we saw with Pixel 5, the new iPhone 12 Pros can now do portrait mode in low light environments, which is insane. And you can now do low light portrait modes with the front facing camera as well. So a lot of uh, great camera improvements across the board. And now get, getting to the thing I mentioned earlier, the new file format that Apple introduced, which is their pro raw, kind of like ProRes a little bit, the name there. I uh, like it. Photo I like format. It. And I think this is honestly, it's the thing that goes unmentioned, but I think it's, or kind of probably it's going to be the least mentioned of all the new things they introduced. I don't think consumers like average consumers are going to know about this or really take advantage of it. But for creatives, this is insane. No, no, I think it's actually beyond creatives. Initially, it'll maybe just be creatives. But once other companies, because they're opening this up to other, you know, app developers, software makers, basically imagine, you know, you go out, take a photo with your iPhone. Okay, cool. You can go into the Apple Photos app, adjust. All right, let me, you know, with the portrait mode, you can adjust that. You can do a lot of adjustments in there. 
and change what they've done, including like the studio lighting. You know, you can change that to weird black and white settings, harsh light, you know. There's a lot of cool things you can do in the Photos app, but then you go to export or share it to some other photo, you know, your favorite photo editing app, and all of a sudden you're reduced to just the simple exposure, this, you know, like simple things. Now with the new Pro Raw format, like Adobe could take this information and they could let you do like a lot of after focus details and putting stuff in focus or not in focus potentially. Basically it takes all the info that they're capturing with the multiple exposures for one image and the LiDAR sensor and everything and packs it into a new file format. And then they're opening that up to developers. You know, it I won't be instantly, but I, I guarantee a year, two years down the road, there's going to be some awesome new things you can do with photos in the editing uh I bet you're right. This reminded me, Adobe's working on their dedicated camera app that'll be universal across iOS and Android. And it'd be great if they They will easily leverage this. Uh, So what you're getting is Apple will do a little bit of processing uh, with noise reduction and the multi-frame exposure adjustments on the image. But as Gabe mentioned, they are adding in the data for other adjustments without actually applying them, giving you the flexibility to adjust them in your editing app of choice yeah and so yeah, huge absolutely uh, nuts and i don't think we mentioned the pricing for these did we yeah we covered the pricing at the very beginning well for the other ones i think we did no did you cover okay well in yeah. case we didn't because i don't think we didn't uh with a 12 pro 9.99 12 pro max 10.99 or 1100 honestly we should just say 1100 and a thousand dollars for these well which, they don't charge i don't think it's dot 99 i think it is just but you the one, the but the one dollar less, great. If you're spending a thousand dollars, you're not worried about the one dollar of savings. So yeah, so the HomePod Mini, ninety nine dollars, which is the same price as Amazon's new fourth gen Echo device and the new Nest Audio from Google, and yeah, it's a great device, right? It's you know wonderful audio, wonderful you know integration well, with your iPhone, but. Yeah. It's hampered by one little thing, and that's called Siri. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the big flaw here. Apple's audio engineering team is amazing. They you know, really showed what they could do with the original HomePod, which is still on sale, with their ability to you know, bring the HomePod into an environment and have it create something that is acoustically awesome. With HomePod Mini, I think you're going to get very similar great acoustic performance, but the sort of smart home assistant... AI features they were promoting, I think are kind of hampered by Siri. It's just not on par uh, with Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa. And in my opinion, this is of course because Apple is being uh, more mindful with privacy concerns. So pretty much all the data is stored locally on the device until you say the uh, trigger word, hey Siri. And you also have control to uh, either share your audio recordings with Apple or to not share them with Apple. Whereas I'm unsure if that's the case with uh, Google Home or the I think Amazon devices. Amazon devices you can delete. You I can. Know. You can. I don't know about that. Google Home. Yeah, uh, and this device will be coming uh, to more services. So with Apple's devices, you've typically only been able to use Apple Music. I believe you can now use Spotify, which is great. And Apple announced they're going to be bringing more services, including Pandora, iHeartRadio, and even Amazon Music, which is uh, kind of surprising. The other feature was intercom. Gabe, what did you think no, of? No, don't, don't even say, we don't even need to talk about the other features because the other features are it basically does what any smart home speaker does. Well, I think there's one thing that no smart home speaker is doing right now, and this is handoff. With HomePod mini, Apple built in the U1 chip, so you can bring your iPhone up to the HomePod and it will 
kind of magically just transfer the song. So you have this beautiful continuity experience of listening to your music on your HomePod mini, then on your iPhone, and you can take that with you as you go into your car. Yeah, that is right. That's one thing Apple can uniquely do because they make so many of the mobile devices. You know, Google, I feel like, should be able to do this though with their Pixel devices and the Nest Audio, but it would be I don't great. know why they haven't done that. It would be all absolutely great for them to do that. So, so the interesting other thing, though, too, is that the HomePod mini can act as a home hub. So up until now, if you wanted to use, like, you know, say, for example, we're having this issue right now in our in our apartment where we have uh, different, you know, smart, we've each brought smart devices in and we want to kind of integrate them all together. But right now, currently, we have two different homes within one home of, of my smart devices on my home kit and then Stetson's smart devices on his home kit. And yeah, with this new home mini, if we got that, it would actually allow them to all integrate into one home uh, using the home hub. Or you can go with an Apple TV, honestly, probably more useful, I would argue, even though it's more expensive. Yeah, I think with home hub, really what that lets you do is control your devices remotely. Uh, so currently we have to physically be at that home too, yes. to use Apple home kit. And with a home pod mini, you know, we could suddenly be out and about and make those changes over our cellular connection. And I think, I don't know, uh, I think we covered a lot, everything yeah. they announced. Well, the other big thing is, well, not big thing, but uh, it looks exactly like the Amazon uh, Alexa. Yeah, Echo very Dot curious. Like, 3. those teams must have been working on this independently. So I don't know. Of, I don't know what market research they both had that said uh, like a round a shape was better. The magic eight ball shape has yeah. returned. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, but the only thing we really haven't mentioned is shipping dates. So this was $99, as we said. Uh, Pre-order, uh, order, or whatever you want to call it, starts on 11-6, uh, and then it's going to start shipping 11-16. Now, the big important thing for the iPhones, this is interesting this year. Usually, it's always like first Friday after the event, pre-order, next Friday, they're all shipping. That's correct. They kind of did that this year. Yeah, so what's different? What What is happening this Friday? This Friday, everyone, you can go out and pre-order the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 Pro. Okay, and then but, so... But not... Don't think you can order just because it's the Pro, you can go with the Pro Max. No. If you want that bigger Pro, no. If you want the smaller Mini, no. So basically, the two middle phones, you can pre-order, and they will ship the following Friday or be in stores the following Friday. Uh, and honestly, we were talking about this I think this was a move on their part to potentially push devices because if you're going to go with a new iPhone, most people, I feel like, either go the top, the most expensive, the Pro Max, you know, go big or go, go home. Go big or go home. And then the home is not the HomePod mini, but it's actually the iPhone 12 mini. So they either go budget, right? Yeah. And this is a way that they're pushing people to potentially go for phones that they don't usually buy um, and they might ha otherwise have an excess in. And they're also pushing back the ones uh, that are going to get a huge surge in demand so that they can build up a little supply in their stock. I think it's a great strategy. You know, if you want it early, you're getting either the 12 or the 12 Pro. And if you want the device, you really want either that Pro Max or uh, the uh, the Mini, then you are kind of waiting a little bit. And yeah, so... So for those, when do they order? So yeah, with the iPhone 12 mini and the iPhone 12 Pro Max pre-orders are starting November 6th and they're going to be available on November 13th. So a little bit of a delay there. I think the last thing I want to mention is uh, Apple had a great partnership with Verizon during this keynote presentation and uh, Verizon announced they actually lit up what they're calling their nationwide 5G coverage. So uh, this means they're now using low band 5G essentially. Really what it is, is something called DSS or dynamic 
spectrum sharing uh, to allow 5G connections over existing 4G LTE bands. I think this is super exciting. Definitely check out Verizon's new coverage map uh, because you could be enjoying Verizon 5G on your new 5G iPhone 12. Um, yeah, and would people have to upgrade their plan or do you think when they Verizon, add it right in? Verizon included 5G with all of their postpaid plans. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, except for the, the unlimited starter plan. So the baseline plan doesn't yeah. get it, but the more premium ones do. And this is great because having more 5G devices actually alleviates some of the congestion on the LTE network, and that can help improve performance for uh, existing users yeah, as well. This, this release, honestly, is huge for 5G because it really, up until now, you know, if Android devices are slowly making it over 5G, yeah, that's cool, but that's just half the battle because, this, I mean, I don't know the exact breakdown of Android versus iPhone, but iPhone, especially in the US, makes up a majority or a large amount of users. It's a large market share, yeah. So, you know, the incentive for Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T to start building out their 5G infrastructure wasn't that huge. Now, once the iPhones come on board with Apple here, full speed ahead. Like if you thought they were building up uh, and putting up 5G towers fast before, boom, they're going to be launching them even faster now, uh, which interestingly, I've seen it pop up in a lot of places. Some small towns are trying to block uh, the amount of 5G towers or 5G towers in general uh, because, you know, there's that whole concern that they're causing disease and stuff. 5G is amazing and I'm excited to have it everywhere. I think the very last thing I want to talk about is pricing. You know, we kind of mentioned all the pricing earlier in the episode, uh, but it turns out the Sprint, T-Mobile, and SIM-free unlocked iPhone 12 and 12 mini models are $30 more expensive across the board for the 64, 128, and 256 gig storage options. Yeah, this is just weird. It's just weird. I think it's just straight up weird. Like this is the first time I can actually remember this happening. Like I don't know if it's happened with other iPhones. Well, it, it feels like we're going back to the days when you used to get the huge discounts for buying a phone through a carrier. Yeah, it does feel like I mean, that. $30 isn't much, but still they're, it's, they're definitely pushing you to go with Verizon and AT&T. Right, yeah. Or maybe they just want to make more money. I don't know. It's it's so weird to me. And a lot of the carriers are promoting uh, trade-in values and things like that. So definitely check out the website uh, to see what would work best for you. That's yeah. going to be it well, for this episode, though. I don't know. We didn't really mention the cons of what we didn't get. Sorry. I'm not going to let you skim through here with only focusing on how great Apple is. So we already mentioned uh, the one con that we didn't get, I think, right? The 120 hertz refresh yep. rate display. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm okay with that because... If you had to choose 5G or 120 Hz, 5G was absolutely the right move. And they're definitely like 120 Hz was definitely going to degrade the battery. My question, how would 90 Hz have done? Because I think that's true. That's like a great balance in my opinion. Or could could they have offered some variable, you know, like they have in the Apple Watch where it goes between literally one hertz where it's refreshing like so slowly and I think 60 Hz for that. But couldn't they have offered something where it was, okay, yeah, if you're gaming, you know, you can, it'll go to this mode where it does consume more battery, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was a bit of a letdown. And also speaking of battery, they didn't really improve the battery life, even without adding, you know, the higher refresh rate display, they pretty much stayed the same. So I guess that was their reason they didn't put it in. Cause if they put those higher refresh rate display, they would have drastically decreased battery life, which you never want to see battery life going down. You usually want to see it going up, but I think it's one of the most important features of a smartphone. It's battery and camera, and then display is probably third. So I think Apple made the right move, but it is frustrating. They didn't at least like give users an option if 
you know, pro users wanted to toggle, boom, 120 hertz. Yeah, Samsung does that with their phones. They actually ship by default at 60 yeah. hertz, and you have to go into settings to enable One, one Plus, who will be launching a phone tomorrow, the 8T, uh, does that with their phones as well. You can, I think, turn them down. Yeah. Uh, and they were the, one of the first ones, honestly, to introduce those higher refresh rate screens. So it's great. The other thing you didn't see, or two other things, USB-C, which yeah. I don't think we'll ever see, honestly, at this point. I've I just, think next year. I'm just resigned to the fact that I'm going to be using stupid lightning ports that, you know, you get one drop of water on there and that's just the chargers, you know, the pins connect and short out and you're done. Uh, so I'm not worried about that. I'm just, that's back of the mind. The thing that I was really hoping for, especially after seeing the iPad Air, was touch ID on that side button. Oh, this is such a good point. I wish I had brought this up, but yeah, um, iPad Air, they built touch ID into the power button and yeah why do you want to see that on an iphone well i mean as everyone knows uh who's well basically a person living on earth right now is we're all wearing face masks because of covid19 and yeah that's great keeps you safe and everything but what ha has happened in the past couple of years is our phones have gone from touch id to face id and we thought that was great until the pandemic hit when you know face id doesn't work so well when half your face is covered up so oftentimes using apple pay or actually all the time using apple pay in stores I have to double click and then put my passcode in, which I mean, I'm not going to complain. Like that's a first world problem there, but it's be, so slow though. It'd be really great if they put it right in that button. So when you double click, it just scans your finger and you're good to go. Yeah. And I will say the, the annoying thing is that when you swipe up to get your passcode, it has to try face ID first, Once, yes. authenticate, fail, and then it prompts you to enter your passcode. And you're just like, standing there waiting which yeah. is never fun i mean it's supposed to be fat like apple pay is supposed to be super fast and seamless and it's been reduced to this kind of little mess which i i didn't think they'd put it in the iphone 12s but i thought maybe the pro models especially the pro max i thought might have it it would be a great feature to have honestly and if apple can do it with ipad maybe next year yeah we'll i would i would pay honestly 50 dollars more just for that touch id i would love it yeah. it's such a great experience but yeah that was I mean, that was, we could pick them apart a little more too, but it's hard to really know until we get some more specs on them. Uh, especially the A14 chip hasn't really been benchmarked yet. It's going to be insane though. Like Apple Silicon team is, I don't know what they're doing, but yeah. they are on fire right now. Yeah. High fives to them all around. They're making some really impressive silicon, enabling massive camera improvements and some incredible speed and performance. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for this uh, bonus episode. You know, let us know on our social media what you're going to be ordering, which phones. I'm personally, I think I'm going to go, yeah, 12 Pro Max. So I'll be waiting until November. And I'm currently, like, they introduced the new color was Pacific Blue. Uh, they got rid of Space Gray, and now they have Graphite, I think it's called, uh, and then Gold or Silver. I personally, I like the new Pacific Blue. I fell for the marketing, but I also am just looking at the Graphite because it's simple. What about you? I I actually really don't like the Pacific Blue. I'm going to come out here and say <laughs> it. Hurt. And How dare you? Get you out know, of here. That's okay. You're it's, not an Apple fanboy if you don't like opinion. their exclusive I just, color. I just don't really like blue. Yeah, um, I get it. And I'm actually torn between the graphite and the silver this time around. I've found that I kind of alternate between the darker space gray graphite and the silver. So I had a white iPhone 5, and then I switched over to a darker iPhone 6S and then 10S. And I think I might be what ready color to switch holds back. Up the best as someone who's bought a lot of phones and sold them. What color holds up the best usually, as far as like blemishes and? Uh, typically, the white ones actually hide all the blemishes. Yeah, and that's what I thought with the iPhone 12 Pro models, you're getting that frosted glass finish, 
And I think that will actually hide any potential scratches a little bit better. Mm. Uh, they'll just blend right in. It's good to know. Uh, so I'm, I'm torn between graphite and silver. I'm definitely going 12 Pro. That's going to be the perfect balance of feature set and size, in my opinion. Uh, I would love the improved cameras, but honestly, just yeah. the, the form factor is so huge for me. So you're going to go 12 Pro and the 12? But probably use the 12 Pro as your daily driver. Yeah, I don't know. I, I will definitely keep the 12 Pro as my personal device. My question for you is, what do you think about the blue color for the regular iPhone 12? Because this is just, it's such a vibrant, like, the difference is astounding. So with the, the Pro Max model and the, the regular 12 Pro, uh, you have this sort of softer matte finish, Pacific blue. Gotcha. And with iPhone 12, you're getting sort of this bright... Um, bold crisp in your face kind of blue that's just called blue like it's just blue yeah they have also i should mention yeah green is the other color on the regular 12s uh, and of course product red and then a white and black so no fancy names for the regular 12 if you want the fancy names you got to go with the pro models because the only pros know how to na navigate fancy names but yeah no I, I think it's okay i like the blue look uh, i generally like the color blue as well sure so I guess it's, you know, that's why they have a bunch of different colors. I am kind of sad to see the rose gold go. Uh, Wait a minute, that's here. Gold is here for the the pro models. Yeah, but not rose gold. Oh, I guess that's yeah. true. Yeah, you're not getting I, that But kinda... that kind of disappeared last year too. I think you're right. They got rid of it. It's, I do much. like it. It's a good color. Uh, but yeah, that's it for the iPhone 12's uh, bonus episode. Hopefully we answered all your questions and maybe helped stimulated some more questions about which one you should get. Uh, still to come this week, though, we're not going to have bonus episodes for it, most likely. I mentioned the OnePlus 8T. Uh, that's going to be coming out tomorrow uh, and immediately just buried in, you know, Prime Day and other stuff and iPhone news. Uh, we also have the DJI Ronin S2 and SC2 launching tomorrow as well. And then the second generation Nikon Z6 and Z7 mirrorless cameras are going to be dropping uh, 12 a.m. Eastern on the Wednesday. So, yeah, busy tech week. Thank you guys for taking some time to tune into this episode. Yeah, uh, if you enjoyed it, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out. We really appreciate it. Share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at pinch to zoom pod Follow us on Instagram at pinch to zoom podcast And that's going to be it. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And we look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Yeah, I, there's no way they're going to ever put USB Type-C. What would make them do that? Uh, probably the product engineering team. <laughs> okay, true. That is one valid point. But I feel like they're going to go to no port before they're going to get a USB Type-C. Actually, with the new MagSafe, that's like a very real possibility.